Good morning, everybody. So glad to see all of you here today. Wow, this is a real treat. This is my first time, not in my life, but at least here with you here in Boca. So I really appreciate all of you being here. Nice to meet all of you at the door. And uh, my family's here. We take up the whole row when we come. And so um, we do our best to get as many people here as possible. So now it's your chance to invite as many as you can too. So today we are in the middle of a series called Heaven, Who Goes There? And so we're going to be looking at this morning, who really gets to go to heaven? And we'll be answering a a number of questions here today. But I thought it would be fun, you know, I don't know. Sometimes when I speak, I like to just maybe tell a couple of jokes. Do you think that's okay? And they're going to probably be the cheesiest jokes that you ever heard, but that's what makes it even better. And then it helps pipe in a little sunshine to those of you that have a hard time smiling, all right? And uh, so we're talking about heaven this morning and throughout our series. And I want to ask you this morning, my first joke or question, if you will, is which fish go to heaven when they die? Anyone? Angelfish. Somebody somebody said it over here. Angelfish. All right, very good. Try not to laugh on this one, all right? It's going to be really difficult. But why do shoemakers go to heaven? Because they have good souls. See, you guys are getting it, right? Now, theologically, is that correct? I think we're getting there, and I'll try to dissect some of that for you this morning. But, you know, the Bible tells us that no man, right, is promised tomorrow. And so talking about golf in heaven, any golfers here in the room at all? We got one or two laying out here, right? So a businessman found himself wondering whether there were any golf courses in heaven. He even began to ask the question in his prayers. And so one day he received a direct answer from on high. And uh, the heavenly messenger came to him and said, yes, there are excellent golf courses in heaven. He says, the greens are always in first class condition. The weather is always perfect. And you always get to play with the nicest of people. And he says, oh, thank you. He says, that is absolutely marvelous news. And so the heavenly messenger said, yes, it is wonderful news, isn't it? I've got you down for a tea time next Saturday. All right, that's right. See, it is funny. I told you they would laugh. That's funny, right? Okay, so I I have another one here. And can you stomach one more? And then we'll actually get into what we actually came here for. But I couldn't pass up on this one. This is just too good. A pastor and a taxi driver both died. And they went to heaven, and St. Peter was at the pearly gates waiting for them. Now, I don't always know why it has to be St. Peter at the gates. I want to see Jesus when I get to the gates. But in our story here today, St. Peter is at the pearly gates. And he says, come with me to both the taxi driver and, and the pastor. So the taxi driver did as he was told. And he followed St. Peter to a beautiful mansion. It had anything that you could ever imagine, a theater room, a bowling alley, even an Olympic-sized swimming pool. And taxi driver says, wow, thank you. I appreciate that. Next, St. Peter, he led the pastor to a a rugged old shack with an old television set. And the pastor says, well, wait, I, I think you're a little mixed up. He said, shouldn't I be the one who gets the mansion. After all, I was a pastor. 
I went to church every day. I preached God's word. He says, yes, that's true. But during your sermons, people slept. And when the taxi driver drove, everybody prayed. (laughs) See, honey, I told you they laughed at both of those. That's really good. And I appreciate you for laughing. And you're all getting $20 on the way out the door today. That's that's really good. Heaven, who goes there? Look at your neighbor, if you will, this morning and ask them the question, who goes to heaven? I need a little participation when I speak. So feel free. Let's try it again. Look at your neighbor and ask them, who goes to heaven? Listen, you guys are going to learn, like, I'm just going to have fun and you guys can do whatever you want. How about that? All right. And then you just stomach a few more minutes of this and then we'll be done. Okay. But I want to ask a few questions this morning. Number one, who gets to go? How do I get there? When is Jesus coming? How is he coming? And really, we're talking about heaven. What is that all like? And do you know, I've got scripture for all of this this morning. It's all in the Bible. And I I really just this morning, I just want to give you a more of a zoomed out view to a clear path of really how to continue to walk in your Christian walk. And if you've never accepted this before, Well, then maybe you'll hear something fresh this morning that you've never heard before and get on journey and get on mission with the Lord. And uh, so John 14, 2, let's jump right in to scripture here this morning. And it says, in my father's house are many mansions. This is Jesus speaking. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you can be also. And I love this scripture because it lets me know that not only did Jesus leave after he rose from the dead, but he promises us again that he is coming again and he's going to receive us to himself. And it's the Greek word paralumbano, literally meaning to take us to him. So someday, We're going to get to go live in heaven with Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And someone said, well, how do I get there? It's a good question, and I'm really glad that you asked that this morning. Those are great questions, and I'm going to answer them for you. Because really, the way that you get there is by invitation only. Invitation only. You know, my kids, they've got a lot of friends on our, in our block and in our subdivision. And there's all, I got four kids of my own, and each kid's got a group of their own friends. So there's, there's always kids just showing up at my house. But kids that I know, kids that we like, some kids that we don't like. And my little daughter, Nina, she's 12 years old, you know, and she's got a motley crew of girlfriends, and they all, they all have the little mini scooters, the little pocket scooters. And they zip around the neighborhood, and they look. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Wild Hogs. But they're like the little mini hogs, all right? And <laughs> they're running around. So one day, uh, they were all out with her girlfriends and that, and, and we know them. And so they, they happened to come into the house, which is cool. It's fine. We know them. And all of a sudden, this boy showed up in the house. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, who are you? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm such and such. And I said, well, you go stand out in the driveway and wait for me to speak with you. <laughs> because you don't just get to walk into my house. And it's the same with God as he gives us an invitation, but the very God that sacrificed his only begotten son for all of us doesn't just let us say, you know, I'm just, I guess I just go to heaven when I die. How do you know? Because if you haven't accepted Christ, 
then you've really got to think through that. So in the same way, if you're going to come to my house, you don't just get to walk into my house and, and all of a sudden I, there, there's some boy in my refrigerator like, really, dude, what are you doing? You go stand out in the driveway and I'll speak with you in a minute. All right. And it, it's the same in that sense. When, 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 when the Lord had been working on our hearts, the Holy Spirit had been dealing with us. And I don't know about you, you know, I've been saved for a pretty long time. But really, when I think about it through the eyes of people that aren't used to coming to church, he loves you. He cares about you. And, and he's been looking for you. Somebody said, well, I found God. Friend, you didn't, you didn't know where to look. He had been looking for you. And he had been praying for you. And he had sent the Holy Spirit to you to lead you to Jesus, to cause you to accept Christ in that way. And I want to say to you this morning that the way that you get to heaven first off, I mean, you got to get this one right first, or I can't go to my second point. The way that you get there is you got to get Jesus on the inside of your heart. You've got to accept him. You've got to say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead to give me this brand new life. Once you do that, there's an element of faith that takes place in your heart where you're saying, God, I believe in you. You're putting your hand in a hand that's bigger than yours and believing that Jesus' shed blood is enough to take care of all of your sins. And by that way, then, the God of all creation then can help you. And all of a sudden, in those moments, you become what we call as Christians saved. You become a believer, but you begin only to begin a, a journey with the Lord as you begin to, to grow and walk with him. And so Jesus said it clearly, and he, he said, you've got to be in John 3, verse 3. He said, you've got to be born again. And when I think about being born again in terms of going to heaven, I see it as twofold in the natural and in the spirit. Because you get born again by accepting Christ, right? He says, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I don't want to just see the kingdom of God. I mean, I want to roll around in it. I mean, there are streets of gold, and the Bible says there's great big pearly gates. I mean, even if I have to take like a hammer and a chisel, I want a nug, all right? I just want a little nugget of the streets of gold, right? I don't want to just see it. I want to be in relationship with Jesus, and I want to know that not only can I experience God's presence here on earth, but also have the assurance to know that one day when I pass on, that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to heaven. And I love this series this morning and over the next couple of weeks because I believe that there's not enough teaching and preaching and talking about heaven for the church. We talk a lot about all kinds of other things, but not really enough about heaven. And so Jesus said in John 3, he said, hey, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so this is not really a, I don't want you to be discouraged this morning, but I've got good gospel news for you today. According to Hebrews 9.27, he says, it's appointed unto man once to die. So guys, you're going to leave here today and you say, what did Dan talk about today? Oh, I got an appointment with death. Woohoo! Sound pretty exciting, right? Well, you don't have to worry about that necessarily because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So for those of us that are in the Lord, you have this assurance that you you know that you're going to be with him. But I love Hebrews 9, verse 27 and verse 28. We never read the second part of that. 
And he says, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And I think that's an important point, is when Jesus comes again, it's for those that are eagerly waiting for him. Some are eagerly running from him. Others are eagerly waiting for him. Does that make sense? And so he is coming again. And just like he told us in John 14, I'm coming again to receive you to myself, that where I am, you can be also, meaning talking about us going to heaven. So when I told you, it's twofold. It's being born again. You got to be born again so that either when we pass away, we go to heaven or at the, maybe we are the generation that lives right up to the end of the age and Jesus returns and, and we all get to go to heaven with him in that way, which would be amazing, right? And so I think the issue here is the fact that we're asking ourselves, well, when is he coming? When is all this going to happen? And I'm here to give you the day and the hour. Just go on YouTube and they'll tell you. <laughs> you don't think that's funny, do you? But the Bible tells us it's, it's at the end, at the end of the, this, this, uh, this, this age of grace, this present age that we're living in right now. This is the age where you're sitting in a service and you can be convicted in your heart, maybe not by what I say. I mean, I'm just giving you a little snack here this morning and you'll, you'll get a filet next week when Pastor Russell comes back. But what I do know is this is that when you accept Christ, he comes into your heart. And this is that present time right now that you have the ability to make that decision. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is behind that decision. He's, he's helping you, and he's convicting us of sin, which is not a bad thing. That's, that's a good thing for him to lead us to God and cause us to, to ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins. Those are all good things. Those are not bad things. You know, I used to play t-ball when I was a kid, and sometimes we think that, 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 that our lives are like this ball on a tee and God's standing over us with this baseball bat to bonk us for every time we do something wrong. It's not the case at all. The Lord loves you and he died for you and he sent his son and rose again from the dead for you, not so that he could bonk you over the head with a big, thick Bible. He did that there so that you could come into full relationship with Jesus Christ and have an eternity with the Lord in that way. And so right now we're, we're in this present church age where you can hear a message preached and actually respond to it and say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me. You have that opportunity right now. We might not always have that opportunity. Someone said, well, maybe after, after, I'll, after I die, I'll, I'll make that decision. Friend, all your decisions are made at that point. You don't get any more decisions at that point. You have decisions right now that you can make. You have choices. You have things that you can do right now, but once you take your last breath here, determining on how you accepted Christ here determines on where you're going in the afterlife. And so you would say, well, well, how is he coming? And I think that's always the big issue is, okay, if we, we believe that the Lord's going to return one day, how will he return? Well, Acts 1-8 is, is an 8 through 11. It's really a supernatural chapter and verse, and I'll tell you why. Jesus had already risen from the dead. He had been alive on the earth now for 40 days since his resurrection. So the very fact that over 500 people had seen Jesus after he had risen from the dead, as 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, but 
Now he's talking to maybe the 500. We know he's talking to at least the probably the 100 and, 120 or so, but at least the 12 in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, as the Scripture says. So while he's preaching that to them, this is, we read over this stuff, but I want to highlight it. It's, it's the ascension of Christ. So for those of you, maybe you come out of Catholicism, or maybe you're not even out yet, but you're considering other things, even in your catechism, it's, it's the ascension of Christ. The ascension of Christ is literally, while he's preaching to them in Acts chapter 1, he literally begins to ascend up off of the ground. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if there's a bigger validation based on the words that he was saying, but if while I'm preaching to you this morning, I begin to ascend up off of the ground and I begin to just float right up into the sky, that would be pretty amazing. Would you believe then? I really prayed and asked God to make that happen today, but... I think he heard me, but I don't know that he's going to answer it in the way that I was thinking. But here's why some of you don't think that that's funny. All right. Well, the issue there is we find that in Acts 8, 9, 10, and 11, while he's preaching to them, Jesus ascends. And the Bible says that he ascended up into the clouds, and a cloud received him out of their sight. I'm just teaching you here a little bit this morning. but, But the disciples and those that were standing around... They're gazing up. They're like, where is he going? I mean, he, he was here. He wasn't here. He died, and he's in the grave three days, and then he rose again from the dead, and then he's, he's walking through walls in John 20, verse 22, and then he's eating fish with us, and then he's here for 40 days, and, and now he's gone again. I mean, what's, I mean, the disciples, let's face it, they're, they're on a rocky road. It's a motley crew of of guys and gals and people that were following the Lord, that loved the Lord, that really just didn't get it yet. And they're on this roller coaster of a ride of, with this relationship with this man that they call Jesus. And now this cloud receives him out of their sight. He ascends up in their face and right in front of them. And they're staring up. And they, they're, they're staring. And the Bible says that the angels are seen in the sky. And they say, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus that you saw go away, he's coming in the same manner, in the same way as you've seen him go. So how did he go? He went up in the clouds. Well, how is he he coming back? Well, it says there that he's coming back in the same way that they saw him go. So it sounds like he's coming back somehow in the sky, in the clouds, in the air. And the Bible proves that to us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. It says, the Bible says there, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with, with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So that's kind of where we get that word, that word rapture is from the word caught up. It's the Greek word harpazo. And it literally means to be snatched up, to be caught up, or to be taken out of the way. And I love that because at any moment, at the end of the age, when God says it's all done, it's all going to happen just like he said it's going to happen. And I love that because you know what that means? That means that we leave our sicknesses behind. We leave our hip prosthesis behind. We leave our wheelchairs behind. We leave our knee replacements behind. 
all of our glasses are going to be left behind. And all of the stuff that we faced here on earth, that's why verse 18, I didn't write it down for you, but it says, comfort one another with these words. This is good news. That sometime at the end of the, we don't know when the end of the age is. And some people can say that they know when it is. I just want to be ready whenever it happens to get ready to go up. So I would like to say to the dead in Christ, hurry up because I'm, I'm coming up on your heels. And I love that. It's funny. I have a story that um, when I was young, I was probably 12 years old. And we were on vacation with my parents. And I've got three younger brothers and we went to this hotel, and I'm not sure exactly where we were at, but um, we, we just checked into this hotel, and we had to walk by the pool. And it was a pool and a hot tub. And so my younger brother, John, he walks by the pool now. John can't swim. And he goes, oh, damn, look, a pool and a hot tub. And with his clothes on, he just jumps right, right into the hot tub. Well, he doesn't make it known. I'm, a, I'm aware of it, but my parents don't really know, and I, I really didn't think he was going to do it and didn't think much about it. Well, my mom turns around. She's like, where's John? I'm like, he was talking about the pool. And, you know, being with the mother's intuition and being very smart like you all are, she walks into the pool, doesn't see John, but figures he's probably drowning in the hot tub right now. And she takes her hand and she, she moves it around like this and yanks him up by the hair and pulls him up, literally harpazodes him, <laughs> raptures him up out of that hot tub. And so I always think of that story when I think about 1 Thessalonians 4.16, that when the Lord comes back, if, even if he's got to yank us by the hair, we are going up and we get to leave all this other stuff behind. Well, my ma saved John that day, which was lucky for him because of mother's intuition. But in, in the same way, the Lord is going to snatch us up out of here at the end of the age. So we have a lot of good news to share with people. Not only do we have the good news of, of Christ that died for our sins, the sins of the entire world. We have a place for our sins and the guilt and the shame and everything that we, we have done wrong. The Lord, in, in the cross of Jesus Christ, those things that he has led us to, to ask the Lord for forgiveness for, he doesn't hold those things over our head, but literally forgives us of our sins. He literally wipes the slate clean for us. And I love that. I love the fact when God looks at me, he doesn't, when he sees me, he doesn't think of everything I've done wrong. If you want to know everything I've done wrong, her name is Ashlyn. She's sitting right in the center of this room right now, and she could probably tell you. <laughs> but when the Lord, and I love her very much. But the Lord loves us so much that so many people, they, they walk this earth in the guilt and the shame and the fear of everything that they've done wrong, and they say, the Lord could never love a person like me. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, that he's bigger than you. He created you, and he loves you. He died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead to give you a brand new life. So that's how he's coming back again. And talking about heaven, there's not enough talk about heaven, but skipping to uh, Revelations 21, verse 4. Take a look at this. He says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, nor shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. 
I love that because I don't know about you, but, you know, I think we're through most of it now in my house. But when the Bible says there that there's not going to be any more crying, I love that. And then I just have to ask, do the, do the kids have to be there? <laughs> I mean, really, no more crying, no more pain, no more of the former things of the stress and the, the pressure of life and insurance payments. No more of that. Right? So all those things are going to be passed away. And the Bible tells us, if you read on in Revelations 20, 21, about a, a pure golden city. And the, the gates, that's where it talks about the pearly gates. It's not just a joke, really. It's actually scriptural, where the, the gates into heaven are made of huge single pearls. I mean, just sounds like a, I, I don't know, I would call it a Mr. T starter kit, for those that know what I'm talking about. A, a golden city and streets of gold. And it says there where there's no darkness and there's no night there and th- there's no need for the sun or the moon there because Jesus is the light of that city. And what I love is the very moment when you gave your heart to the Lord and you got saved, the Bible tells us that he, he wrote your name in what's called Revelations 21 verse 27, the Lamb's book of life. So do you know that your name is written in the book of life in heaven? When you accepted Christ, he wrote you right in there. And when it comes time for the end of this age to dawn and and all these things to happen, just like the Bible says they're going to happen, you know what he's going to do? He's going to look through his book and he's going to say, you know what? I see Elisha's name there. And I see Caleb's name there. And I see Zach's name. And I see Angelo and Savannah and Dominic and Vito and Nina and Ashley and Dale and Patty and Addie and Michael, and I'm still learning the rest of y'all's names, but I see all these names here. And so when it comes time for him to yank us up by the hair, and you know I'm just making a joke about being yanked up by the hair, when it comes time for all of that, because your name is written in that book, friend, you're going up too. He's not going to leave you behind. And if the Lord decides to tarry for a thousand more years and, and wants to get more people into the kingdom of God and, and, and we, be, you know, we, we grow till we're about a hundred years old and, and the Lord gives you a long life or whatever it is, even when you take your last breath here, your next breath will be in that city, that golden city with streets of gold and pearly gates and you'll have a relationship with God for eternity. Someone said, you think families are going to be there? Yes, families will be there. I think animals will be there. If Jesus is coming back on a white horse, I mean, maybe even the family pet. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not preaching that as, as, as theology necessarily, but I definitely know they're the creation of God. Did you ever think about that? Remember Noah's Ark? Remember that story? God saved how many people in Noah's Ark? You know, eight people. But how many thousands of animals did he save, right? So God loves save the whales. God loves save the dogs and the cats and the rhinos and everything else. So the Lord loves us so much that he created a path for us uh, to be saved. But I, what I want you to know this morning is the way that we get there is not by our own works of righteousness. Now, you definitely will receive rewards in heaven for the good that you do here on earth. Absolutely. You're going to get rewards in heaven, but it is not your entrance into heaven by good works. Does that make sense? I want to make that very clear. I can't, I can't be good enough 
I can't be smart enough. I can't do enough good things to get me into heaven. My entrance into heaven is my acceptance of what Jesus Christ did for me by dying on the cross and me accepting the fact that he did this for me and that he rose from the dead. And I'll show that to you here in just a minute. And I love the, another scripture here. We've got a couple more and I'll be done. But Titus 3, 7, it says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And I was talking to our, our students uh, Wednesday night about this big, deep theological word called justification. I don't know, Zach, if you remember what it was or not, but I told the guys, the kid, the students, you know, I'm like, go home and ask your parents if they know what justification is. And when they tell you that they don't know, now you can answer it. But I'm going to spill the beans this morning so that we can all know and learn it together. Are you ready? It's real deep. Here, justification means just as if you've never sinned. So when the Lord looks, it's, it's comforting for me because I had a very long laundry list of things. But when the Lord looks at you, he has justified you, the Bible says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's just as if you've never sinned. Isn't that good news? Because you know, when you look in the mirror and that mirror looks back at you, you know exactly who you are. You know exactly what you've done. You knew exactly what you didn't do and should have done. You know all those things. But the Lord loves us so much, he knew that, that he would justify us and treat us just as if we never sinned. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In my garage, I can only fit one car, and then I got the kids' bikes and the lawnmowers and all the stuff, right? And I, I keep this, I just keep a, just a, a garage rag in, uh, in the garage next to the lawnmower. And so when we fill it with gas and it, it spills a little bit, I always have a rag right there just to quickly wipe up, and it's always, it's right there by the gas can. And it's dirty, it's filthy, it's got grease on it, it's got gasoline on it, it's got oil on it, whatever. It's just a quick, so I can wipe something up real quick if we have a little spill. But you know, the Bible literally shows us that our own righteousness is as filthy rags. So I think about those dirty rags that are in my garage, that I should have brought one. You guys would have loved to have seen it and smell it. And when I think about that, that literally represents to me the best that I could ever bring to the Lord is filthy rags. When Jesus died for us, he took the best parts, excuse me, he took the worst parts of us, God did, and put them on Jesus. But when Jesus died and rose again from the dead, the Bible says that he gave us, right, a robe of righteousness. He took the best parts of Jesus and gave them to us. Does that make sense? So that no longer is it our works of righteousness that we have to earn to get to heaven. But now all we simply need to do is this free gift of eternal life. It was, it's free to us, but it wasn't free for him. He had to die for it and shed his blood for it because he loved you, because you're his creation. And so we recognize that it's, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But it's simply by God's grace. You got, you got the stomach for maybe one more little story or joke? You do, really? Are you lying? Because if you're lying in church, you never know, you know. 
Don't lie to me. I'm going to tell you about the pearly gates story. This, this is a good story. A man dies and he goes to heaven. Of course, St. Peter meets him at the pearly gates. Now, there is nothing about necessarily this joke that is theologically perfectly correct, but we'll, we'll fix it at the end, all right? St. Peter meets him at the gates. St. Peter says, here's how it works. You need 100 points to make it into heaven. Now, this is a paradox because I just told you it's not by works, right? So I'm not suggesting that it's by works. But for our story here today, I just want to make very clear for our joke. Everyone say it's a joke. Perfect. We're on the same page. Here's how it works. You need 100 points to make it to heaven. You tell me all the good things that you've done, and I give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good it was. Once you reach 100 points, you're in. So, okay. So the man says, all right, well, listen, I was married to the same woman for 50 years, never cheated on her, not even in my heart. St. Peter says, that is wonderful. That's worth three points. He's like, three points? Come on. He said, listen, all right, I attended church all my life, and I supported its ministry with my tithe and my offering and my money, and every time they had Thanksgiving baskets, I gave to it, and trunk or treat, and we helped out, and we did. Terrific, Peter says. That's worth a point. He says, come on, a point. Man, I got a long way to go. He says, one point. He says, how about this? He said, I started a soup kitchen in my city and worked in a shelter for homeless veterans. He said, that's got to be worth something. He says, absolutely. Fantastic. Two points. He says, two points. He says, man, at this rate, the only way I get into heaven is by the grace of God. That's the punchline. There you go. We got it. All right. We pumped it in there. So, <laughs> so you're moving right along. All right. You only have a couple more minutes and I'll let you go and you get Russell, Pastor Russell next week. All right. But what I want you to know about this, it's not about us earning our salvation. It is literally God's grace that he gives us this free gift. You know, I'm the type of pastor that I like to call myself believer-centered, seeker-aware. Meaning, if maybe there's others that have come here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to at least make sure that you've had an opportunity in every service to take that step and at least acknowledge the fact that you could have the Lord come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. So who goes there? Who goes to heaven? You think it's the perfect? No, I believe it's the imperfect that go to heaven. Is it those that are accepted? No, it's those that that have had the invitation and have accepted the invitation really to trade your weakness for his strength. Does that make sense this morning? And all of our imperfections for his righteousness. And like I told you, when you accept Christ, God takes the worst parts of you away from you, and he puts on you the best parts of himself. That's what salvation is for you. And when you accepted Christ, the the blood of Christ then washes you of all of your sins. And I want to share this with you uh, this morning, is that none of us are perfect. We all know that, right? I know that this church was perfect before I came. But the moment I walk through that door, you got one big imperfection standing right here before me. And not ashamed to admit it. None of us are perfect. Honey, not even you. I got to stay theologically correct. But you know what? None of us are perfect. And, but here's the thing that I love. Even though that we've all sinned, 
God demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. You know what that means to me? Is that when I was still out doing everything wrong, the Lord had already prepared a plan of salvation and hope and grace and truth and acceptance for me long before I ever even knew about it. And he'd been working on me and trying to help me. And so we know that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, it's free to us, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's the kicker this morning. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you shall be what? Saved. So out of the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You say, what? So I got to speak about it? Well, in order for you to communicate with anybody, you got to use your mouth. And if you can't speak, you can use sign language. And if you can't speak or use your hands, you can hear. But what I want you to know today is that the Lord is just simply looking to fill up those pearly, uh, the, the, the streets of gold in heaven that you might be able to walk through those pearly gates one day. He loves you. He cares about you, has a tremendous plan for your life. And do you think it'd be okay if I finish the sermon and pray for you? That wasn't a trick question. But I wondered if you stand with me this morning. Would you stand with me? And I'll be done. And I appreciate you listening this morning. This has really been a blast being with you today in this way. But I want you to bow your head with me. And I want to give you an opportunity just simply to start the conversation between you and God and accept Christ understanding that the Lord loves you. Maybe you've never done this before. I don't know everybody in here. You could say, oh, Dan, nobody needs this prayer this morning. But you know what? I believe that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. It's a promise from God to us. So I wonder, instead of singling somebody out and making somebody feel uncomfortable, maybe there's only one person in this room today that needs, needs this more than you do. But could we, all help, could we all get on mission for one moment and repeat this prayer out loud and together if, that's, if you're willing to do that? That way, if one person in this room accept, truly accepts Christ and it changes their life forever, then it puts all of you on mission for that one individual. By your head, let's pray together. If you'll repeat this prayer with me, say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead to give me a brand new life. Teach me to live for you as you show me how. In Jesus' name, amen.